You're listening to Straight Shooters, a straightforward golf podcast that'll straighten out your game. And here are your hosts, Keith Bennett and Henry Statina. Welcome back to the Straight Shooters Golf Podcast. I'm Henry Statina, and I'm alongside Keith Bennett. Uh, Keith Bennett uh, is also a newly elected member of the Best Young Teachers in America by Golf Digest, uh, an incredible honor that we learned about last week during the PGA Teaching and Coaching Summit. Um, I want to get into both of those things, along with a really exciting event that Keith had yesterday. But uh, first, uh, Keith, what's going on, man? Fill us in. What's up, Henry? Yeah, buddy, I uh, I appreciate that. You know, it's um, when you make a, an award list like that, it's it's pretty cool to reflect along, you know, how far you've come in your in your career uh, and to be recognized and to be put up alongside a bunch of really, you know, teachers I really respect, including yourself and, and a bunch of other people I'm, I've been fortunate to, to meet and learn from. But, you know, you also reflect upon how you got there and, and nobody gets to where they to where they go alone. And, you know, the mentors and the coaches and the support systems I've had to to make it to where I am right now, uh, you know, like I said, I wouldn't be there um, without those things. And it's, it's really cool to, uh, you know, be, be, to get recognized like that, but to also just truly appreciate all the people you have in your life that, that help you. And, you know, it inspires you to want to help others as well, uh, because you know how influential those people are. And, and, um, yeah, and congrats again to you second year in a row. So, uh, we got a couple of uh, Golf Digest Best Young Teachers in America on the pod today. Yeah, how about that? Uh, pretty exciting stuff, man. I'll never forget when we were walking down uh, iDrive and going back to the hotel and, and when we kind of recognized that and the excitement that I saw in you, I could tell it was a lot of uh, hours and years of, of hard work that was paying off. And, uh, you know, sometimes we hear or think of people as, as being an overnight success. Yep. And I know I get a lot of people asking me about social media and, and your influence and how you develop a following. Um, I, I hear about how, how you got certain uh, clients as students, uh, how you've kind of climbed the ranks so quickly. I mean, you're not very far out of uh, graduating from college. And so it's quite remarkable in its own right, but I get to see kind of behind the scenes a little bit more through our daily conversations as to the amount of hard work that you're putting in on a daily basis and the grind that you do day in and day out. So um, I'm kind of interested to hear your thoughts on uh, some of the things that you've done over the years that are leading to your success. Yeah, you know, that's an interesting question. And as soon as you said that, you know, I think part of the the whole namesake of this podcast you know straight shooters is to you know be upfront and honest about about everything and I think that's how we grow and we help others grow like like you said you've kind of been behind the scenes day in and day out you know like I text you all the time you know with personal doubt and you know feeling like imposter syndrome at times and and wondering you know am I doing the best job or could I be doing better or you know getting help looking at golfers swings that that come through and sending them to you and asking your opinion and and you know I think 
that's a big part of it that a lot of people don't share. That is the reality of the situation. It's just like, there isn't a person on this planet who is just perfectly confident in everything they're doing and never wondering if, you know, if they're, if they're messing up or if they could be doing better. And I'm certainly in that category. And, and, um, you know, that's why it's really important to have those support systems like yourself, somebody who I have an open line of communication with, who I trust, who I know is going to give me honest, you know, you give me the most honest feedback of anybody. And, you know, I think some people shy away from that because it can be honest and brutal at times, but without that, you don't learn and you don't get better. And so like without your honest feedback, you know, you'll call me out and I'll call you out. And, and we know it's coming from a place of love and, and respect and, and wanting to the other person to become the best version of themselves. And so there's a lot of that that goes on, you know, and then you're just literally trying to do the best you can with, with what you know, and, and do right by the student. You know, it's kind of like the uh, do no harm mentality. Just if someone leaves my lesson to you a little bit better, that's all I can do. And, you know, if people like the way I teach, that's nothing I can do about that. That's what other people have projected onto me. So, um, you know, obviously I'm appreciative of that, but that's just me, you know, hopefully speaking my truth and being honest and, and, you know, this is the year we kind of decided you and I, that we were going to be true to ourselves and not try to be anybody else and, and be honest. And, uh, and I think stepping into that realm hundred percent, I think we're going to see, you know, strides and elevations in our, in our teaching, in our personal lives that we've never experienced before. So I'm excited. I love how you point out the fact that you suffer from doubt that, uh, you know, we all face those challenges and we all doubt our say, ourselves quite regularly. I know I've doubted myself uh, more times than I can count. And I've shared with you in the past some of the more challenging events that I've had in my career, um, especially early on when I was not as experienced as I am now and uh, not very much older than the students that I was trying to coach and lead. And uh, I got a lot of criticism and pushback from the students. And um, both of our mentor and friend, Pat Gavin, my boss, he he told me um, during that time, he said, you know, Henry, you know, you, you look to be a person who wants to go a, a far ways. And he said that, you know, the bigger the stage, the bigger the critic. And so when we put ourselves out there, we're opening ourselves up to criticism and I don't think there's a bigger stage than maybe social media and you put yourself out there every day. And um, we both talk about the criticisms that we get from people behind the keyboard. And those things can really be detrimental to a person that, you know, that fear is what keeps people from starting. And um, I think that we both are, are in agreement that it's just a matter of putting ourselves out there and, and kind of taking the good with the bad and, and moving forward and not taking things personally. Yeah, I think that's really well said because <clears throat> we always seem to focus on the negative comments, but there are plenty of positive comments and those are the ones we should be remembering and relishing. But, you know, we always tend to focus on that negative and, and one bad comment can keep somebody from putting another post out or from, you know, just continuing to be themselves. And I think now so more than ever, everybody has an opinion and anybody can say what they want behind the you know, behind the keys and behind the screens of their computer, but they're never going to say that to you in person. And you have to remember that. And, and if you can help 
one person with your post on Instagram or whatever, you know, social platform you're using, then that post was worth it. And you could, you know, you should continue to do it um, because at at the end of the day, we're not going to reach everybody. Our styles, our coaching, our, our way of expressing our our thoughts isn't going to be for everyone. And we have to be okay with that. And um, that's one of the biggest takeaways that I found that you and I were talking about when we, when we went to the PGA teaching and coaching summit this past uh, weekend was, you know, all of uh, the, the people on the stage that we resonated and were, and were drawn to the most were the ones that were truly authentic and truly being themselves, you know, names like Rick Sessinghouse and Mike Malaska and, and Randy Smith and Allison Kurt and, you know, just handfuls others were really, really fun to watch on stage because you can tell they were just, you know, truly, truly being authentic and being themselves, you know, like Mike Malaska really stood out to me because he spoke his mind and he spoke his truth and he wasn't afraid, you know, how Sutton, holy cow, we'll get into that, but um, he wasn't afraid to, to say it how he felt it. And when, and those people are always going to be, we're going to be drawn to those people because we live in a world where everybody's trying to just be like everyone else. And when you see some people who are truly themselves, you know, those are the people you want to be around. Such a great point. Um, You know, we talk in golf instruction a lot that everybody's unique. We're all individuals. We have different, you know, thoughts and experiences. We have different body types and we have different learning preferences. Um, at the end of the day, that is so true. And, and, and what happens though, is that we have different personality traits too, and we're drawn towards people in different ways. And so if the way you present something on the internet or in person might resonate with someone differently than when I present it, maybe in a very similar way, but they can just connect with us differently. And I found it interesting, like you say, you know, kind of shifting gears over to the summit, when we would sit down afterwards, the two of us, as well as the students that we were hanging with and some of the other guys that were uh, that, w- that we were spending the most of our time with, you know, we took away things differently. We, we liked certain presenters more so than others. We didn't agree on all of it, but we could certainly see where we were connecting with them on a certain level. And I think that's kind of the nature of that summit. Um, it was more of a TED Talk style event where presenters were given anywhere from about 25 to 45 minutes um, to, to present on their topic. So, um, that's awesome. I, I agree in that they were very authentic and that was my biggest takeaway as well. Um, let's, let's, let's hear a couple of the thoughts that you uh, have on some of your more favorite, uh, presentations. I know you, you talked a little bit about Malaska and, and Hal Sutton. Maybe you could touch on a few of the takeaways that you had from, from those speakers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, we'll start with the, the, the gentleman who kicked off the entire uh, two days, which was Rick Sessinghouse. Uh, he's the uh, mental kind of performance coach um, for Colin Morikawa. And, um, you know, he just came out with an energy and an authenticity that that really spoke to the both of us. And, and he was kind of speaking right into some topics that we're both very passionate and interested about. Um, you know, and something that he really said is, you know, what emotional state are, what emotional state are you in when you play your best? And, you know, I've heard Jeff Costin, one of my, you know, close friends and, and, you know, call him a mentor for sure. Talk about that. He goes, you know, when you hit a good shot, he'll stop you in the moment and he'll ask you, you know, who were you when you hit that shot? What version of yourself right now are you when you're hitting that shot? You know, and it's just kind of taking a, 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 taking stock and taking, taking a moment to reflect and go, okay, 
you know, I was a little bit more target or I was a little less careful, you know, I was a less careful. I was more letting the ball go. You know, I wasn't, I was, I was playful. I was curious. I was just wanting to see what this shot was going to do. I was locked into my target, you know, okay, that's who I am when I play my best golf. And, you know, Rick was talking about that as well. I think so many people when I, that I come across for lessons, they hit good shots, but they have no idea how to reproduce it. And that's probably the most uh, infuriating part of the game is that like, we all know we're going to hit bad shots, but when we string some good ones together, we have no idea how to call upon that at will. Um, and the best players in the world have a better time calling that, you know, calling upon that when they need it because they understand what emotional state and what mental state they're in when they're playing their best. So I found that to be, you know, really cool. And that really spoke to me for sure. Um, and you know, he said something else. He said, you know, be curious about the outcome of each shot instead of immediately going into an emotional state, right? So if we immediately go negative, we know that our, you know, we turn on parts of our brain that no longer can pick up external cues, like how the ball bounced when it hit the ground or what the wind did to the ball in the air or how the, the lie affected the shot. So if we immediately go into negative saying that was a bad shot, then we don't, the parts of our brain that are able to pick up that stuff that will probably help us down the road or maybe even help us with the next situation, we turn those off and we immediately go into these parts of the brain that actually, um, you know, just don't let you do any of that. And that's incredibly harmful for your growth. And again, that's not taking a growth mindset. That's taking more of a outcome mindset, a one-off mindset where you're not able to actually use the shot you just hit to you know, help you become a better golfer down the road. Something you always said that, you know, finally clicked with me a little while back was, you know, using each tournament or using each round of golf as practice for the next one, you know, so we don't put as much emphasis on this round. We're just saying, okay, I'm going to go learn something today. That's going to help me for the next time. Um, and that's a lot of what he said as well. I like that. I like that you plugged that something that I had said in the past resonated with you after someone like he said it on a big, massive stage. That's great, Keith. <laughs> I, I realized uh, it before the summit. I know. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's interesting. Some of the things you said, you know, for me, I also wrote down and, and remember he talking about the emotional state that we're in when we play our best. And when he said that and basically asked the question, I immediately knew where I am or that mindset emotion that I'm in when I'm playing well. And, and I thought of it as being engaged and fearless. Yeah. I'm engaged in the moment. I'm engaged in the shots. I'm, I'm almost one with the golf course. You know, that golf course is a living, breathing organism and it's changing from day to day and throughout the round. And if I'm true to myself during those moments of play my best, it's as if that I am engaged in uh, a, 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 an event with the golf course, taking yeah. it for what it is as it comes. And I'm fearless of the results. I'm fearless of where the ball goes. I've always respected the way that um, players like Phil Mickelson and Angel Cabrera and some of the players that really take a huge, massive lashing at the ball. Um, it looks to me as though they have a very specific target as to where they want the ball to go, but they're not afraid of it going anywhere. Right. They're going to go find it and play it again. Right. And um, later on in the conversation, he, he talked more about fear, which I thought was really interesting, especially um, to the point that I mentioned last week about my daughter. Um, he said fear is often the response to doing something for external motivators. Mm -hmm. 
And so in golf, it can be the case that we're playing for our parents or for um, proving ourselves to a colleague um, to have some kind of a vanity handicap so that we feel as though we're better than and able to fit in with a certain group of people. Absolutely. So I think that that is such a common thread among golfers is um, playing and, and trying to perform for external motivators. And the the only real way to get around that is to find our own why. It's to do some soul searching, figuring out who we are and why we're doing it. If we can get to the bottom of that, we're going to be intrinsically motivated um, and and distance ourselves or detach ourselves from those external motivators, which really aren't as helpful as an intrinsic motivator is. No, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, something I wrote down, the big takeaway from his talk was, you know, golf lessons are just helping people to get over things, get over fears and and golf, the sport of golf is just the vehicle for that. You know, at the end of the day, people are going to play golf as a recreation, as a hobby. But golf is the great exposer of how people really feel in certain situations when it's just on them and they're completely exposed and they can't pass the ball off to anyone else. Are they fearing the outcome because they don't want to disappoint or they're so worried about impressing or like you said, the, the handicap, because that again is going to uh, tell people where to place them in other people's minds, you know, categorically, oh, he's a such and such handicap. If I place him in this upper echelon or he's not, I place him in that lower echelon. And that's potentially how they feel about other things in their life, most likely. So, you know, if we can help people get over the fear of that, you never know what that snowball effect is going to be in their daily life. And maybe they take a little confidence away from that golf lesson and that snowballs into their actual lives with other situations, because most people aren't going to play professionally that we come across, you know, they're just going to be doing it for fun. And if we can help them have more fun in golf, then they might have more fun in their daily lives. And, you know, we've impacted that person positively. Uh, and I think at the end of the day, that's, that's a big part of what we're trying to do. Um, and, and that's, kind of a massive takeaway I took that really sort of made me sit back and reflect. And uh, yeah, Rick was one of my favorite presenters for sure. You know, and then moving on to like, you know, Randy Smith, I know, you know, we watched him and he was up there in kind of a panel with some other coaches and he, you know, he said something that you caught on camera for a couple minutes there where he was talking about swinging the golf club and how, nobody's focusing on, on what the club has to do. And he sent something profound that we've been talking about. He said, if you know how the club should move, that dang thing is basically going to swing you. Uh, and that was, you know, we both just looked over each other and had big smiles on our faces because that's one of the most respected coaches in the industry right there. Pretty much, you know, laying it out how we would exactly lay it out. Do you want to work one-on-one -on -one with either Henry or Keith? Well, you're in luck. Both Henry and Keith offer online lessons and monthly coaching subscriptions using the Skillist app. Online coaching allows you to learn at your own pace by digesting smaller chunks of information more frequently. Download Skillist, search for Henry or Keith, and get started today. Yeah, he, uh, he really blew me away with that. I thought that was uh, very well said in a very short amount of time. I would wonder how many 
people in attendance really really grasped and understood what he said though right it can so often be misunderstood he said something along the lines of it's not this left arm or this right arm it doesn't have to do with this hip or that shoulder he goes all of that is moving but what really matters is what we're doing with this little thing right here as he pointed towards the club face yep he says what we do with this golf club is inevitably what's going to produce the ball flight. Yep. And then he he held the club by the butt end and kind of swung it back and through like a pendulum. And he said that if you get this club swinging and you have a good mental picture of what it should do in your head, the golf club, the motion of it is going to allow your body to comply with everything that you ever thought it would have needed to do. Yep. And yep. so, you know, what? and then Michael Hebron got up there and started talking about the golf club as a tool and that the golf course dictates how we use the tool. Oh, yeah, I love that. Um, moving the ball forward or back in our stance, opening or closing of the club face, right? The golf club is simply a tool to produce ball flight. And yep. when we talk about swinging, by definition is a to and fro motion while suspended from an axis. It's exactly what Randy Smith described and demonstrated in his presentation. And that if we can truly swing the golf club, if we have a good mental intention for swinging it, our body would move in accordance to carry out that action. And it would move perfectly fine. And we would all look individual in doing it because we all have different bodies. Yep. And I think that's the true essence of the golf swing and learning to perform it. But it's such a subtlety, it can so often get overlooked as being too simple. Yeah. Or not accurate because the body is swinging the golf club, which is certainly the case the body is swinging the golf club but we if we dig a little deeper we will realize that the mind is directing the body and the mind directs the body better when we focus on what to do with the tool yep then what to do with the body and it was really interesting um i've had this occurrence uh on a handful of occasions um but afterwards, when we split up, we all went back to our hotel rooms. Um, the guys, the students, so we had a few PJ golf management students from NMSU with us. And they came into my room, waited for me to finish getting ready so we could go to dinner. And one of them, a sophomore, was who was quite familiar with this, this topic, was asking some questions about the seminar about the summit. And that came up. And they knew I was excited about it. They sensed that they all knew that that's what you and I and, and people like us, our mentors, Ed and Manuel have been talking about. But when I started digging a little bit deeper, I realized that he was just a little bit off. He didn't quite get it. And so we sat there and we talked about it and we talked about it and he said, well, what do you mean? And I, and I looked over and he had a, a coffee mug next to him. I said, do me a favor and take a sip out of that coffee mug. And he turns around, he leans over, and he picks up the mug and raises it to his mouth. And I said, were you thinking of your body parts when you did that? And he said, no. I said, what were you thinking about? 
He goes, raising the cup. And I said, that's exactly what Randy Smith was talking about. Yep. Your body will move in accordance to what it needs to do to carry out the action of using the tool. Yep. We do it every day in every aspect of our lives. But the problem is, is that the golf club is probably the fastest moving tool on the planet, moving upwards to 100 miles an hour. It's very thin and long, and it's very difficult to see when it's in motion. And so we don't easily resort to watching it. Yep. And we have to revert to watching the slow moving parts of the body. Yep. So you know, uh, go ahead. Yeah, and Hebron, you know, played a played a video where he showed some people, you know, who only had one arm or one leg, right? Or swinging from, you know, an apparatus. Maybe they had no legs. They were swinging from an apparatus that let them, you know, pull up next to the golf ball and make a swing. And when you almost make it so obvious that there's a difference to that person you're watching, you can't help but look at what they do with the golf club because you almost go, well, okay, I'm not going to look at like some technical positions here. This gentleman's only got the got his left arm. So then you watch the club and you go, well, yeah, that club moves right through the ball and, you know, through the hitting area like it would need to to produce a shot. And when you see those kind of stark images and movies, then you really get to focus on the club and you really start to understand anybody on earth can play this game if they understand how the tool needs to be used to propel the golf ball forward. And the loft of the club makes the ball pop up in the air. And he said something, he said, why do we shoot a basketball up? Well, the basket is up, you know, why would we swing the golf ball, ball golf club forward? Because the target is on the ground in front of us. The loft of the club makes the ball go up. And if we can understand these and have a really crisp visual in our mind, because the body can't move, the brain can't inform the body until the brain has a clear picture of what it needs to do. Point blank, period. You can't, can't do it. The brain needs a picture. And so as our job as golf instructors is to give the student the clearest mental picture of what the club needs to do, and how they need to swing it relative to a target line and the brain informs the body how to move the tool which then moves the body in accordance with the mental picture of the tool use and it is amazing how quickly people can pick the game up when they're not focused on as you said how my body would move to pick up a coffee mug because if we tried to do that all day long we'd literally look like robots and we'd be stiff we'd be you know we wouldn't get very much done there'd be no rhythm there'd be no fluidity um, and it would just be a hard way to go about life. And that's why over time, our brain has evolved to understand that we can't focus on what the body's doing. It's too much for the conscious mind. So the brain files it away in a place where all that's being handled by the subconscious, which leaves us to focus on these secondary tasks and we can move more fluidly. So, you know, that was just such a cool thing that he did there. And like you said, it was three minutes of a two day conference, nine hours a day, like, you know, how many people maybe picked up on that, but Hey, guess what? One of your students did, and he had a revelation. And if he teaches some people and they have revelations, then you know what, that, that, that was worth it. Amen to that brother. Yeah. Um, it's, it's uh, Ed LeBeau's always told us that the golf swing is a physical representation of the mental intention. Yep. And that every golf lesson stems 
from changing the player's mental intention. Yep. You and I talked a lot about slow motion swings and, and improving our golf swings in our homes without golf balls. And that's truthful. That's what people need to do. People need to change their mental intention as to what they're doing with the golf club. And they can do that in slow motion without a golf ball in the comfort of their home. Yep. It's a, uh, it's the way we learn to use tools and it's the way that uh, I believe the golf instructional world will be moving forward in the future as this research becomes more prevalent. I'm in this course of a PhD program and af after one semester, I realized that the research is even more heavily in favor of using external focus of attention than I ever thought before. So, um, I think we're going in the right direction and it was really neat to see multiple instructors on such a stage talk of that type of topic so freely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, we could sit here for hours and, and talk about all the stuff, you know, that we, that we picked up and we might even have to have a part two on this because there's so much helpful information that we can share with everybody listening. But, um, you know, I think that's a great place to, to kind of put a bow on this episode here and, um, you know, if anybody has any questions about any of these things, you know where to find us, right? You can, you can DM us, you know, at Henry Satina golf at Keith Bennett golf on Instagram. You know, we get excited when people reach out with these types of questions, we're happy to elaborate or to, you know, have you pick our brains on these, on these sort of things, you know, our, our door is always open. And um, yeah, if you found this information valuable and you know, somebody that would be able to take something away from it, you know, share this episode with them because we're all trying to get a little bit better at the game and it's a, it's a really, it's a hard game. Let's be honest. There's a lot of moving pieces here, but you know, what we're talking about is really the next chapter in making this game more simple uh, and easier for the student to a learn and then B to retain it. And uh, you know, we could look, we could definitely use a little bit more of that in, in the golf world, in my opinion. Spot on Keith. It's it's such a difficult game. It's one of the biggest challenges for people to get into it and to continue playing. And I think that's our responsibility as PJ golf professionals to uh, seek alternatives to golf instruction to make the game simpler and more enjoyable for all. And uh, I appreciate your partnership in making this uh, more readily available for our listeners. So um, on that, we'll we'll end. We'll 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 sign off, and uh, I I hope you have a great week, and I look forward to catching up again next time. Yeah, buddy, me too. Uh, have a great week, and and we'll talk to you next week. All right, see you, buddy. Do you want to work one on one with either Henry or Keith? Well, you're in luck. Both Henry and Keith offer online lessons and monthly coaching subscriptions using the Skillist app. Online coaching allows you to learn at your own pace by digesting smaller chunks of information more frequently. Download Skillist, search for Henry or Keith, and get started today.